Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be acceptable now and always in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Through this Holy Week, we are considering some of the characters around the cross. Tonight, we're looking at Pontius Pilate. And Pilate's name is very familiar to us, since we say it every time we use the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. When we say that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, in the Apostles' Creed, or when we say, for our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. In the Nicene Creed, what are we saying, and how did it come about? Well, the very first thing to note is that every time we say the creeds, we are affirming a historical fact. We don't believe in fairy tales. This wasn't all made up by at some of the apostles. This isn't legends that have grown up through the, midst, through the mists of time. No, Pontius Pilate existed. He was the prefect of the Roman province of Judea, and he oversaw the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. History tells us that Pilate had vindictiveness and a furious temper. Uh, He was naturally inflexible, a blend of self-will and relentlessness. He was also insensitive to Jewish customs, causing offence time and time again, and brutally murdering protesters in order to get his own way. Doesn't sound like a nice guy, does he? We know him, though, because of his connection to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. It was under him and his authority that Jesus suffered and was crucified. So let's consider Pilate for a few moments from our reading in Matthew 27. And if you have a pew Bible in front of you, you'll find it on page 998. When we get to verse 11, Jesus is standing before the governor. Jesus has already been beaten and slapped and spat at by the religious elders. And now he stands before Caesar's representative in Jerusalem. Pilate has the power of life or death. And that's why he has been brought before him. You see, the religious leaders, they reckon that Jesus deserves to die, but they don't have the authority to enforce the death penalty. For that, they need Roman power. Hence why Jesus stands before Pilate with the religious leaders out for blood. When Pilate asks a straight question, Jesus gives him a straight answer. We see it there in verse 11. Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say. 
Jesus affirms that he is indeed the king of the Jews. But the other Jews who are there, they oppose him. They accuse him. They don't recognize him as their king. But notice that it isn't just any old Jews. These are the religious leaders, the chief priests and the elders. And they accuse him many times. But as Isaiah had prophesied long before, Jesus, like a lamb led to the slaughter, is silent in the face of opposition. He gives no answer, no reply, not even to a single charge that they bring. Pilate is so amazed that he intervenes to make sure that he hears what they're saying and is greatly amazed that he doesn't defend himself. He doesn't answer. But then Pilate finds another possible escape route. Throughout his time in Jerusalem, Pilate has had a custom of releasing one prisoner chosen by the crowd. And so maybe, he thinks, he'll be able to save Jesus by this way, to have Jesus released by this mechanism, to save Pilate from having to make a decision about Jesus at all. And it appears when you read the choice that he's going to make it really easy for the crowd to decide between the two prisoners. On one hand, you have the notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Some versions actually name him as Jesus Barabbas. He had been involved in a rebellion. He was a murderer. He definitely doesn't sound like a nice guy. And on the other hand, you have Jesus, who is called Christ. Jesus, who had healed the lame, who had given the blind their sight, had even raised the dead to life. It should be a no-brainer. A very easy decision. Do you want Barabbas who takes away life? Or Jesus who restores life? Would you prefer Jesus Barabbas or Jesus Christ? You see, Matthew tells us there in verse 18 that Pilate knew that it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. And so he makes it easy for the crowd to choose the right answer, to free Jesus and let Pilate get on with his day, whatever Roman governors in Jerusalem did with their time. But while all this was going on, and remember it was early in the morning, the rooster has just crowed, signaling uh, Peter's denials. Pilate's wife sends him a message. She says, don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. Mrs. Pilate recognizes that Jesus is innocent. She urges Pilate to not have anything to do with Jesus. 
that's not going to happen. Unless the crowd go for his plan to release Jesus and keep Barabbas where he belongs, behind bars. But as we see in verse 20, that's not going to happen. The chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. So who do they want released? Barabbas. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called Christ? Pilate asked. And how did the crowd reply? Crucify him. It's not what Pilate expected. It's not what he wanted to hear. You can see that Pilate shares his wife's opinion uh, that Jesus is indeed innocent. He says at verse 23, why? What crime has he committed? Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent. In Luke's account, he even says, I find no basis for a charge against this man. And later in Luke's gospel, he says, he has done nothing to deserve death. But all sense of justice has evaporated by now. There are no reasoned arguments. There's no evidence. Just a crowd shouting louder and louder. Crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate was the governor. He should have been in control. But the peace of Jerusalem is threatened by the way this trial was going. And as uproar was starting... So the governor gives in to the mob's demands. Instead of insisting on justice, he allows the mob to rule the day. He gives in to the crowd's demands for crucifixion. But did you see how he tried, even at the very last minute, to get out of it? Verse 24. He has water brought. He washes his hands in front of the crowd. I'm sure you've heard the phrase to wash your hands of something. To try to have nothing to do with it. To say that you're not involved. You have no part in what is happening. And that's what Pilate is trying to do here. He's trying to distance himself from what is about to happen. He's trying to say that he is not responsible for the cross. He says, I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. Now the crowd, they say, yes, it's our fault. Let his blood be on us and on our children. But does that mean that Pilate has clean hands? Does that mean that Pilate is innocent? Are we unfair to mention his names in the creed Sunday by Sunday? Does Pilate get a raw deal? 
Not at all. You see, he, he allowed Jesus to be crucified. It couldn't have happened without his agreement, without his say-so. He had to decide what to do about Jesus. You see, he asked the right question in verse 22. He said, what shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? What shall I do with Jesus? And what did he do with Jesus? Ultimately, he decided against Jesus. In washing his hands of the matter, he tried to avoid making a decision. But he decided against Jesus, whether actively or passively. You see, to make no decision about Jesus is to make a decision about Jesus and to decide against him. Perhaps you've heard all about the cross so many times before. You know all about Jesus. You know that you need to make a decision about Jesus, whether you will follow him or forget him. But to put it off, to defer a little longer is actually to make a decision against him. You see, there is no middle ground. There is no sitting on the fence when it comes to Jesus. So please ask yourself tonight, perhaps when you get home, when you get into bed, when silence finally comes, Ask yourself, what shall I do with Jesus? And don't put it off. Because to not make a decision is to decide against him. Rather, I urge you to decide to follow the Lord Jesus who died for you. Pilate's wife says that he was innocent. Pilate says that he was innocent, that Jesus had done no wrong. But he suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. So that you, the guilty one, go free just like Barabbas well could Barabbas say that first good Friday evening he died in my place I wonder can you say that as well can you look at the cross and see Jesus dying there for you in your place for your sins he He who had done no wrong. But he died for you so that your sins could be wiped away. So that you could be made clean. So what will you do with Jesus? 
Pilate tried to wash his hands of the whole thing. He tried to avoid making a decision. But to not make a decision is to decide against Jesus. And one day, each of us will stand on trial before the judge. Not Pilate, but Jesus. On that day, will you meet him as your saviour? Or as your judge. There's an old hymn. That asks that question. What will you do. With Jesus. Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking. What will he do. With me. What will you do. With Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that question that Pilate asks. What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? We pray, Father, that you would impress that question deeply into each of us tonight. We pray that you would remind us of the Lord Jesus, that innocent one who died to take away our sin. We ask that we would know that joy of sins forgiven, that joy of a fresh start with you. Father, we pray that we would know your grace tonight. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.